The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. We are ripping through our top 10 rankings as we roll through the month of June, headed for July. And uh, joining us now, Jared Dubin, to break down the top 10 edge rushers and defensive linemen in the NFL. If you are listening or watching on you, if you're watching on YouTube, you can do this, actually. You can fire us up on YouTube TV, YouTube. Uh, via if you have a smart TV, you can do it or any app, of course, or on your phone or smart device or whatever. You can uh, hit that like button. Press that like button. It helps us a ton if you do so. And uh, tell us who your top edge rusher is. Maybe your top defensive lineman. Maybe it's Bodie. We have a dog on the. You can see Jared. You can see Dubs is a adorable dog Bodie uh, on the uh, on the program. What are you doing? Yeah, um, like for the dog, he's. Uh... He decided that he needs to be part of this today. Um, why that happened, you never know when he's going to decide he wants to join. You know? Yeah, of course. I mean, you can't control. Uh, you cannot control what dogs do. No, especially ones when they're like light enough that they can sit on your lap. Um, I can't be like do that. Although George got a little thick, so it's difficult. Um, yeah. He's only like 16, 17 pounds, so he just jumps up, and it's like, what am I going to do? Say no? Look at him. Yeah. He's so cute. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, let's talk about, the, uh, let's talk about the, the rankings. Let's get to the rankings. By the way, check out uh, John Breach's Pick 6 newsletter. It's out every day of the week, Monday through Friday. Wednesday, Cody Benjamin, uh, who's been doing who's been doing a ton of podcast work with us and uh, doing great work on the rankings as well, uh, handles the duties then. But go to cbsports.com slash newsletters and check out the Pick 6 Podcast newsletter. If you subscribe, you're doing us all a favor. So before we get to your top 10, we're going to do top 10 edge guys, take a break, and then do top 10 defensive linemen. It's a lot of work for you dudes, but who would you say is your toughest edge rusher to leave off the top 10? Uh, there was a lot of them. Like there was like 25 guys, honestly, that I wanted to put on the list. Wow. Um, like, so Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, Demarcus Lawrence. Um, there's some guys where like, you don't really know if they're edges. Like I, I put, uh, Calais Campbell with the interior defensive lineman, yeah. even though he plays both. Um, I'm trying to think like who else I left off. That's really notable. Um, like the the guys, some of the guys with Washington, like Montez Sweat, but um, you know, given his various comments, he might have to miss some games at some point. <laughs> um, you know, guys like Matt Judon, uh, who's now with New England, and they do such a good job of utilizing their edge rushers. Um, anybody with the Ravens, because they always figure out a way to manufacture pass rush. Uh, Carl Lawson, Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, like. How about Bud, Bud Dupree? Dupree? Yeah, Bud Dupree, like Josh Allen, uh, the the one from the Jaguars, obviously. All right, um, that's a name that could sneak on there next year. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many guys 
that I like Khalil Mack I didn't have on the list. Wow. Um, I mean, that's kind of a shock, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, last year, I think we had him at like seven or eight. Um, he just not a very good season, obviously, for him, you know, by his standards, obviously, last year. And he is getting into his 30s now. It's a case, I think, where he's, you know, a top half edge rusher, but maybe not necessarily top 10 this coming season. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot like Ark Armstead, who is a guy who is really good at like because the position is described as edge rusher. It's sort of um, not necessarily undersells, but sort of goes to the side of what he does because he's so good at setting the edge in the run game and at boxing quarterbacks into the pocket and getting things so they can they can't move and they have to go step back so the other guys can clean things up. It's just like a little bit of a different description than what he actually does. Right. Um, Cam Jordan was the last guy I cut, I believe, um, who was at 10. Cam Jordan and Khalil Mack are pretty, I feel like you'll catch some. Yeah, I should. Cam Jordan might tweet you you about this for sure. Yeah. Cam Jordan essentially was 11. Like I had him at 10 and I realized that I had forgotten Shaq Barrett on the initial version of the list. Um, so he got moved down to 11. Right. And like, A, that's really good. And B, he's probably going to make it look stupid. And there's like 10 guys that are going to make it look stupid that they're not in the top 10. But also, like, tell me who you're going to take off, I guess. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, there, there are plenty of guys that I think could and should have beef with the list. It's just you can't have 25 guys in the top 10 list. Well, that's how top 10 lists work. Yeah. But I mean, you're right. You know, you have to, and it's a weird combination too. You have to figure out a way to reward production. Mm-hmm. But you're, and we talk about this with all these lists. But you're also, you know, your list is going to be re is going to be debated this year, and then re-examined after this season. And that means that you have to sort of spin it forward. You know, it has to be forward looking, or else you can't just be like, here's the top ten sack leaders from 2020, or top ten pressure guys from 2020. Because you do that, you're gonna look like an idiot. Yeah, I think edge rusher also sort of under it's similar with Auric Armstead, but I think Jordan is a better player where a lot of what he does is not necessarily just sacks, you know, and and this isn't like, you know, the top 10 guys that we're expecting to get the most sacks, but a lot of his job is being really solid in the run game and making sure quarterbacks can't leave the pocket. And those kind of things are really, really valuable, but not necessarily what some people think of when you hear the term edge rusher, um, I think he's a better football player than the place I have him on this list. If that makes sense. For sure. Absolutely. All right. So let's get to the list at number 10, a man who's this, this is, this is actually the premier uh, daily Daniel Hunter uh, podcast. <laughs> you know, no, no one else talks as much Daniel Hunter as this podcast does. And he checks in at number 10 on your edge rusher list. I, you know, the contract thing, I feel like sort of lingers over him a little bit. And he was not as good in 2019 as he was. Or excuse me, I mean, he didn't play in 2020. In 2019, so I mean, like, it feels like he's been, you know, it feels like because of injuries in 2020, and then because he had a little bit of a down year relative to 20, I mean, he still had a very good year in 2019 relative to 2018. But 2018 felt like we were seeing a guy ascend into top five edge rusher, defensive player of the year candidate. And I, I guess him maybe taking a small step back in, in 2019 and then a lost season in 2020 pushes him down. But still, I mean, this is a guy who is not even in his athletic prime yet. He hadn't even turned 27. 
Yeah, he's so young. I think last year, by the way, before we found out that he was out for the season, I might have said on the podcast that he was a pretty good defensive player of the year candidate. Um, that obviously didn't happen. He's coming back from an injury, but he got his money. He's approaching his athletic prime. He's so good coming off the edge. Mike Zimmer always puts his defensive front in position to succeed. They've got other guys on that front. It's not like it's just him out there. You know, um, you know, they got Anthony Barr there. They got Eric Kendricks there at the linebacker spots. Like Zimmer knows what he's doing. He's really good. He's in his prime. I feel better about a 26, 27 year old coming off of a season loss to injury than I do about, you know, a 32 year old or something like that. Sure. Um, which is kind of why, you know, he got to 10 and Von Miller was in like 13 or 12 or whatever it was of the, you know, small list of guys that just missed out. But yeah, I mean, Hunter is, is really good. He's in his prime. He's on a on a team with a coach that knows how to utilize him. Like, I feel really good about him being, you know, pretty much as good as he was before he missed last season. Just looking at the odds on William Hill, Hunter, 30 to one to be defensive player of the year, uh, along with Von Miller's 30 to one, Trey White, Devin White, Jalen Ramsey, Darius Leonard, Shaquille Barrett. Those are some interesting names. I, I don't think it's out of the question for Dino Hunter to to win defensive player of the year. If the Vikings, the, the, here's the scenario is the Vikings, Aaron Rodgers doesn't play in 2020, 2021, excuse me, the, or, or maybe he does play and, and they, the Vikings still win the division. The offense is just as good as it was, but the defense takes a huge step forward. Hunter plays 16 games, has like 18 to 19 sacks and the Vikings win the division and win 11 or 12 games. And because he's a new name, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, you the scenario, honest, the scenario for every edge rusher is the same. It's like they win their division and he gets like 15 plus sacks and people buy into he's the reason the defense is good. That's the scenario for pretty much every every guy coming off the edge. Well, right. It's it's basically the same scenario for Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Joey Bosa, and Nick Bosa or Chase Young. Yeah. If you're getting 30 to one at Daniel Hunter. So maybe a little more value. Just saying. Like if yeah. he takes a massive leap forward and we're talking about him as a top three edge rusher next year, defensive player of the year is not off the question. I don't I don't I don't hate that bet. Um but what's I mean, I don't know what the odds are, but I would imagine it's like you get a lot you get paid a lot more for that than betting on, you know, one of the Bosa's or the TJ Bosa's are both twelve to one and Chase Young sixteen to one, which actually is kind of convenient because he's number nine on your list. Yeah, I mean, that dude had a really good rookie season. I think he's poised to take over for Montez Sweat as sort of the top edge guy, which you know, they were sort of you know co-top edge guys last year. I think Young is, is in really good position. Just his skill set is unbelievable. The way he sets guys up, he's so strong, so fast, so quick, and it's it's just such a good defensive line that he plays on. I mean, between the two guys on the edge and then you have – uh, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis, like those five guys, I think they're, you know, the best defensive front in the league, potentially. That's why I had them as when we did our top 10 defense for 2021 rankings early in the, earlier in the offseason, I had them number one. Um, I just think they're, they're so good up front and he's just an absolute monster. He's going to, you know, fulfill every bit of his potential, I think. I think you're right. It's, it's, it's crazy that Ohio State pumps out it's like Joey yeah. Bosa, incredible all pro level pass rusher. Oh, wait, there's a better Bosa coming out. And then, oh, yeah. wait, Chase Young, who might even be better than them. B. 
both. It was the Chase Young thing is is, is so. I mean, it's sort of similar to you know the 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 case with Nick Bosa where we were saying when the when the Cardinals took Kyler Murray, it's like well. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've drafted Josh Rosen, and if you don't like him, you should definitely take Kyler Murray and that, that <laughs> and all that. But you are passing up a chance to have Nick Bosa, who looks like he will be a very good pro. And the same sort of thing where if you're Washington, you know, there was a, there was a case to be made, maybe reboot off of Dwayne Haskins and go to a. But if you didn't, and you thought you could at least work it out with Dwayne Haskins, you get Chase Young, who looks like a generational pass rusher. And there's a definitely a chance. I mean, he was free money defensive player of the year. I wish I'd, I'd actually put my you know, done the smart thing, just lay, you know, just take the three to one or two to one or whatever he was. I mean, he was going to win if he played remotely up to his potential in, in 2020. And he did, but the sack numbers weren't even there. I mean, there's right. a chance that he, that we see him just explode in terms of sacks, you know, he only finished with seven and a half. I mean, he could have, he, he's not a, there's a reasonable case. He's defensive player of the year as well. If he, if he, if he, if the sacks come and sacks are a little fluky in that sense. Yeah, I mean, if Washington's defense is as good as I expect it to be, um, the thing is, their offense could turn the ball over enough. Like Fitzpatrick, we know all about him at this point. High ceiling, low floor. Um, and if their offense isn't able to capitalize on what the defense is able to do for them, then they could just like, they could go, you know, nine and eight, seven and 10 or something, just because the defense is a lot better than than the offense in terms of, efficiency like the offense should be able to put up numbers Fitzpatrick takes a lot of chances but if they go nine and eight and their defense is you know top four in the league and Chase Young has 12 and a half sacks like they're going to give it to somebody else even if he's right. our, even if he's the best defensive player and like let's be honest he's not going to be the best defensive player in the league we know who the best defensive player in the league is going to be we'll get to him when we talk about the interior defensive lineman but he's he's really good uh well, yeah as a good segue from that, it, because if you look at what Chandler Jones, who's number eight on your list, uh, did two years ago in 2019, he had 19 sacks, eight forced fumbles, all pro, pro baller. And did he win defensive player of the year? No, he did not. <laughs> Actually, yeah. it wasn't Aaron Donald who won it. It was uh, Stephon Gilmore. But Chandler right. Jones was right there. But the point being is that you can have a great season as an edge rusher, and it might not matter if if the guy we're talking about, Aaron Donald, ends up having a huge year. But Chandler Jones, uh, down season in 2020, only played in five games, one sack. Eh, um, but still, a top 10 edge rusher for you. Yeah, I mean, another guy who, you know, on sort of the tail end of his prime, I guess. I think he's 29 or 30 years old. Um, hi. He, my dog is now, like, trying to climb onto my chair. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's just a really good player. He gets around the edge so quickly. They add J.J. Watt there to bring some a little bit more interior slash edge pressure. He's another one of those guys that plays really both spots. And, you know, yeah, they lost Hassan Reddick, but it's not like he was ever all that good of an edge rusher before last year. Um yeah, I mean, Chandler Jones, I feel really good about him getting back to the level he was at before. Agreed, especially if he's, he wants a new contract. I don't think the Cardinals will give it to him. Maybe they spent a couple million bucks his way, but I think this is a situation where they say, hey, look, man, go out, play hard. You have a big season. We'll re-up you, and we'll, we'll figure it out after this year. But, you know, we can't extend you coming off a one-sack season where you were hurt and you're 31 years old. I mean, that might be the best time for them to extend him, get him for less he's money. He's less. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Zadarius Smith at number seven, one of the Packers' free agent signings that has worked out very well. 
He is a uh, he's just a physical beast and has helped to rejuvenate that defense. And, and I'm not saying that he's responsible for the Packers going 13 and three the last two seasons, but certainly he helps in terms of his ability to get pressure. Has I can't do math very well. 26 sacks in two seasons, two Pro Bowl seasons with the Packers. The rare case, dudes, of a productive Ravens pass yep. rusher who signs somewhere in free agency and doesn't burn the team that pays him a bunch of money. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of like Pernell McPhee comparisons when he Judon, signed. Judon, I mean, yeah, well, Judon obviously hasn't played yet for another team, but just in terms of a guy playing Judon sort of. Where else and came back to Baltimore? Am I crazy? Didn't he go to Chicago? No, McPhee. McPhee went to Chicago. Oh, that's oh, that's right, McPhee. But I thought there was somebody. Yeah, else. Judon now is oh, yeah, uh, I mean, with sorry. New England. Yeah, um, I Judon had. I I always just assumed that every single. Ravens pass rusher has played somewhere has played <laughs> twice whenever they go somewhere. Yeah, well, it's like you know, guys like play for the Patriots. Like Kyle Van Noy's back with the Patriots now after Jamie Collins did the same thing. Um, yeah, I mean, Zadarius just—he's such a versatile player too. They can rush him from the edge. They can rush him over the nose. They can bring him from off the ball, on the ball, hand down, hand up. Like he's just a really good player. And obviously, you know, they swap out defensive coordinators. Um, so. I mean, I think he's going to be put in better position to succeed. He, he's such such a ridiculously athletic player. And I think Preston Smith took a little bit of a step back last year. Zadarius was just as good as he was the year before. They got Kenny Clark up there, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Like, I, I'm very confident in him still being quite good. Now I'm trying to figure out who the, who's, who the Ravens pass rusher that I'm thinking of that also... It's got to be Pernell McPhee. Like, no, it's McPhee, but there's one more too. I swear. I mean, they just keep rotating guys in and out. Like now they have, you know, Tyus Bowser, and um, who else do they have coming off the edge? I mean, I'm drawing a blank for some reason, but you know, they drafted Owe. Um, no, I'm saying, I'm saying there's one more guy who signed a big contract. Like maybe, maybe I'm thinking of um, maybe it's Dumerville, somebody else. I can't remember. Anyway, then it doesn't matter. Well, Dumerville started with Denver, Denver and then, and then they had the facts, the whole facts issue, right? With with Elway couldn't get yeah, to him, right? Uh, oh, the franchise tag facts facts gate. At any rate, it's not worth it's not worth hashing over. It's but I'll, I'll think of it. I'm, I'm sure as soon as the podcast ends. Zero Smith, very good. At number six, an up and comer. I like this. This is sort of a. This feels. I mean, I think people would probably push back on the idea that Brian Burns is a better pass rusher than Chase Young in terms of young up and coming guys. But you have Brian Burns way up there. Yeah. Uh, the the way you know that this dude is just really really good is that. He went to Florida State, and I'm willing to admit that he's really good. Um, he, I mean, I would say he's the fastest edge rusher in the league. Um, you look at the next gen stat stuff about pass rush get off, he's at, he's at number one in both of his NFL seasons, just in terms of the average time it takes to do his get off. It's like 0.1 seconds or whatever it is, 0.3 seconds. I, I don't know the exact number, but he's been number one in the league. And the way that that causes so many problems for so many tackles and you know they bring in reddick to play across from him now now that he's back playing as a pure edge rusher playing for his college coach um i think that those guys are going to be really effective coming off the edge they have Derek brown in the middle now who you know has another season under his belt should be more effective up the middle they drafted uh the the, the penn state guy last year um uh, gross matos yeah. um so they should be able to rotate and keep guys fresh like the dude is just, it's impossible to deal with that kind of quickness 
off the edge. And when, when you're able to do that, and when there are actually other players on the defensive line that are worth devoting resources to for the offensive line, it's, it's just a really, really big problem for defenses. And he's, he's still very young. He's still very athletic and he's already had two really good seasons. He ranked really high in, um, so the metric I created to measure, um, production for defensive linemen last year. Um, like I call it wow rating because weighted overall wins where it's like you take, um, an adjusted version of sacks, hits, hurries, run stops so that pass rushing counts more than run defense sure. and sort of scale that to the, the league average in terms of being able to generate those burns ranked really, really, really high in both of his first two years in that. And like, I think it's a good measurement of guys that are doing the kind of things that you want defensive linemen to do, just making plays behind the line of scrimmage. And because of his speed, he's able to do that very often. And Carolina sort of weaned him in. He only played 43% of the snaps his rookie season, uh, 71% of the snaps last year. So he took a big step forward, obviously, and still, you know, didn't, I think, I can't remember if he was injured or if he missed, for what reason he missed a game. I think he missed one or two games and still had nine sacks and 21 quarterback hits just looks like if if he now he's talking about a sleeper for defensive player of the year it would need carolina to be a much better defense than i think people expect but if he were to you know if he were just break out into a pure you know just just a, just get every sack just just i don't know if he can, i don't it's know if it's the same scenario for a guy like chase young like it's the the panthers defense needs to be really good if they come out of nowhere and win that division for some reason which i don't think is going to happen but but if it's they not did the question with a 43, 44 year old quarterback on yeah. the box and Drew Brees and James Winston on the Saints. I mean, it's not- yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm done saying that Tom Brady's age is going to be the reason Correct. that he's going to decline. I did it last year. I looked really dumb. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, if the Panthers are better than expected and their defense is the reason why, instead of the offense and he has 17 sacks or whatever, which like, I don't think that last part is out of the question. Again, he played 70% of the snaps last year and had nine. Like, if he gets up to 85, 90% of the snaps and, you know, shows some improvement, you're t- or you're already talking about, like, 14 or 15 right there. Like, he, he's, he's just a really good one, player. He's 100-1 to one to win Defensive Player of the Year. That yeah, is, I, I think it's, I it's probably pretty good that. odds. I don't think it's going to happen. No, but it's no. probably more likely than, you know, 100-1. to one. What's that, like, a, a it's, that's considered, like, a 1% chance, right? Like, it's more. It's more likely than... I mean, he's with Emmanuel Agba, Pat Sertan. Oh, no, okay, like, yeah, that's okay. Jackson, yeah, Jackson, <laughs> Buckner, Justin Simmons, Roquan Smith, James Bradbury, Buda Baker. Baker. Yeah, that's a way better bet that than like any defensive back. First of all, yes, I know Stephon Gilmore won it a couple of years ago, but it just happens so rarely. Yeah, like they're taking those odds so they can you know win free money in the event that like Aaron Donald wins and they got to pay out all of those bets. Right, right, right. I'm just saying, look, you're we're not talking, we're putting ten bucks on it, right, to win a thousand or like fifteen bucks to win fifteen hundred or something like that. That's yeah. I don't think it's it's not that crazy of a stab. Staying in the division at number five, Shaq Barrett, who has really just you know this is a case where good for him, good for the Bucks for paying him, and good for him for staying in Tampa Bay because you know he was a a former high pick, taken. Uh, let's see, what was he? What did he high pick? Am I crazy? I think he was a second round pick by the Broncos, if I'm remembering correctly. He, he was, right? It didn't show up on PFF. I was like, he wasn't undrafted, was he? Uh, or P- PFR. 
Oh no, he did go undrafted. They they he took somebody else who the was same who, year that he was undrafted. Um, oh god, they took somebody who busted out. Yeah, I, I'm blanking Jeez. on the name for some reason. I am too. I, I can picture him in my head. They took him in the. Okay. Anyway, you you talk about Shaq Barrett, and I'll find. Anyway, so anyway, he was good in Denver. God, he was undrafted. What off my game today? What I think he was a high pick. Who was the high pick they took? <sighs> I gotta well, go look at the Broncos. Um, I'll I'll find this. I think it was the 2016 NFL draft. And the point being is that he has flourished in Todd Bowles' system, and it makes sense for him to stay there because of how well he has played in that system. Yeah, I think so. I think we talked about it earlier in the offseason. I think he's the the really, really good defensive player of the year bet. Um, just because they have obviously a very good chance to be the best defense in the league. Uh, Shane Ray was the guy that busted Shane out. Ray, the first round pick. What first was round pick. 20, 23rd overall. Um, 2015, same year they got Barrett. 2015. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Sorry, the, the, that's that's a that's that's on my that's on me for saying the former high pick. Yeah. I, um, I lump Shane Ray and Shaq Barrett together in my same year, like. Both guys' first names start with SH. Like, it's, I think it's somewhat easy to confuse them, except obviously Shaq Barrett is really good and Shane Ray was really not. I mean, um, Barrett was the year before in 2014. Huh. Whatever it was. Either way, Shaq Barrett is now on the Bucks, who have a very good chance to be the best defense in the league. I think he is considerably more likely to play the significant majority of the snaps than JPP. You know, they brought in Joe Tryon with their first round pick. JPP is more likely to have his snaps managed than Barrett is. And if they're the best defense in the league and he goes for 18, 19, 20 sacks, whatever it is, which is well within the range of possibility for him, then he is a very, I think a sneaky defensive player, not necessarily sneaky. He's probably one of the top favorites within the top, you know, six or seven or whatever it is. But I, I think that's probably a pretty good bet. And I don't know how likely it is because again, Aaron Donald is going to be the best defensive player in the league. He just, yeah, he's too good, but there, there is a case for somebody else winning, and I think Barrett is a really good one. Do we? It's it's weird. So he's undrafted. Denver gets him out of Colorado State in 2014. Do we give them credit for finding him in the draft, or do we ding them for not utilizing it and realizing what they had? Um, both. You know, like he wasn't this good in Denver, obviously. Right. Um, he led the league in sacks in 2019. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe some of that is playing across from JPP. Maybe some of it is playing for Todd Bowles and just being, you know, utilized in a different way. Um, the talent certainly was there. He was a good player in Denver a lot of the time. Obviously not as productive sack-wise, but it's, you know, it's really hard to be this productive sack-wise. But partial credit, I guess. Is he the is he up there with like the best undrafted players ever? I mean, I'd really have to think about who undrafted. Who else undrafted? It's like Tony I mean, Romo, um, Chris Harris. Also, yeah. Interestingly enough. Anyway, Wes Welker. Wes Welker. Yeah, I, he was. Was Julian Edelman drafted? Yeah, he was seventh round by the Patriots. Okay. Uh, Drew Pearson, your boy was undrafted. Anyway, that he a couple more seasons like the two he's had in Tampa, he's going to force himself in that conversation. He's probably already top 
10. I mean, how many yeah, I mean, I'd have to look through back? the history of undrafted guys. Obviously, there were way more rounds in the draft back in the day, so less chance sure. that somebody would be undrafted, although there were fewer teams, so who knows? Um, um, anyway, yeah. that's it. That's we'll save that topic for another podcast uh, this offseason. Instead, let's yeah. talk about the Bosa Brothers, four and three, Joey at four, Nick at three. With the Bosa brothers, for me, it's I think they have a. I think you could argue they're they're one and two if they're healthy and they're playing an entire season. But certainly, the two guys ahead of them are no problem with your with your ranking here per se. Uh, they're just they're just they're just they're underrated talents, I think, because people when Joey came out, people were like, oh, he's already hit his ceiling. It's like, what are you talking about? A nineteen year old or like twenty one year old dude coming out of a highly productive like system, and now he's got a brother who's a stud too. Yeah, people were like, oh, well, maybe he's just an eight to ten sack guy, and I'm like just yeah what are you talking about here you know um yeah i mean the dude is awesome so the the stat i mentioned earlier weighted overall win rating it, it measures how much more often than the average player at your position you make a play in the backfield joey bosa was number one in the league last year 76 percent more often than the average edge rusher making a wow. play in the backfield the next closest guy was Randy Gregory at 56%, but he only played 27 snaps a game. And then, so the next closest regular player was Shaq Barrett at 54%. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's just a, a really, really good player, makes plays in the backfield all the time. And that's what you want from an edge rusher, you know? Like, and his brother, I think, is a little bit more technically refined and maybe a little bit of a better athlete. And granted, he had the the serious injury last year, but Joey has had injuries basically every year. So yep. I feel somewhat more confident in Nick staying healthy, even if he did come off the, again, a, a very serious injury, but both of those guys are really good. They have every bit of an argument at being the best edge rusher in the league. I mean, they're so talented. They're, they're obviously moving into their athletic primes. Like there's a reason these guys were both top three picks, right? Both Joey was three and Nick was two. Yes. And uh, with Nick, but he also injured, he tore his ACL at the Meadowlands when like, they, all the 49ers were getting hurt against the Jets in week two. And with Joey, it feels a little where you're it's it's like with if Derwin James gets hurt this year, I'm just gonna I'm out of it. I don't want to ever I'm oh never playing for I'm never doing anything with the Chargers ever again because I'm convinced that they just have bad like a bad training staff and everyone gets hurt. So yes, I am concerned about Joey Bosa's di like dings. Well, uh, by the way, he, so he had all that success. Now he's got Brandon Staley coming in there as the coach who obviously put so many guys in really good position to succeed yep. with the other LA team last year. Um, I'm very confident that he's going to be really good as long as he's on the field. Yep. Me too. The two guys who are high favorites for defensive player of the year, obviously we have, as we mentioned, Aaron Donald is number one, but number two, Miles Garrett at six and a half to one and TJ Watt also at six and a half to one at William Hill. You have TJ Watt two and Miles Garrett one, I got no problem with this top four. I think it's a pretty safe edge rushing uh, top group. Yeah, I mean, I think you can, you know, split hairs and take any one of those guys as the top guy here. Um, you know, as for what the tiebreaker between Watt and Garrett is, you know, I don't know. Like, Garrett is just a little bit more of a physical freak. Like, yeah. you know, um, they're both it feels like incredible if players. Garrett, if Miles Garrett puts it all together, one year and play 16 games, he has a right. you feel like he could break the sack record. Yeah, it feels like TJ Watt has put it all together already, and he's already not not that he can't get better, but he's already so good. And it's like 
Garrett is already this good and it doesn't feel like he's put it all together yet, if that makes sense. Yes. Like it, it feels like Watt is, is tapping into everything he can do. He could post better numbers. He could do better against the run. But it feels like Garrett still has more on the bone. Um, and it, it, it feels like, yeah, I, I think that's a good way to describe it. TJ Watt has already unlocked what we thought his upside was. And we're not, not saying he's already hit it. I mean, he's 20, what is he? He's turned, uh, he turns 27 in October. So, I mean, we're still talking about a guy whose brother is a three-time defensive player of the year, a Hall of Famer. So, he has genes yeah. are there, and he's in a great defensive system. He led the league in sacks and tackles for loss last year. He, he could absolutely – he's you know, two straight All-Pros, two straight Pro Bowls. He could absolutely get better, but it does feel like maybe Miles Garrett, just because of his – just the physical nature, has maybe one more gear to turn it up. Yeah, and, like, Watt's brother, by the way, is, like – not just one of the best defensive players of his era. Like until Aaron Donald, the last few years, Watt was the best defensive player that I had ever seen. I would agree like, completely with that because you know Lawrence Taylor. By the time I was like six years old, he was his career was over at that point. You know, so Watt was the best, best defensive player that I of, had seen of defensive play. JJ Watts three or four year run is up there with what Aaron Donald's done the last three or four years, I think. Oh yeah. Like the dude was an absolute monster. And I mean, TJ is no slouch himself. Like he's really, well, he, he could have won defensive player of the year last year. Probably should have no, no disrespect to Aaron Donald. Did I mean, JJ Watt, Donald, <laughs> Watt make Dubin's list of top 10 defensive linemen? Find out after the break. Robert half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, Chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So who was the toughest name to leave off and why was it J.J. Watt? Just kidding. Probably um, J.J. Watt, uh, Leonard Williams, Fletcher Cox, Akeem Hicks, Deron Payne. Quinnen Williams? Quinnen Williams, Tyson Alualu, Um, I'm looking at David Onyemata, who is very underrated um, in New Orleans and had an unbelievable season last year that people don't really talk about. Um, there are so many good interior defensive linemen too. Um, yeah. And then there's guys that just like, don't play as many snaps. 
sure. but are really productive, you know, like, yeah, like Sue just doesn't play as many snaps as some other guys. Javon Hargrave doesn't play as many snaps. Dexter Lawrence, you know, guys that are more run defense focused, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, yeah. Javon Hargrave. I didn't realize he was born in Salisbury, North Carolina. Shout out Salisbury. Philly guy. Now. Anyhow. Uh, Salisbury. That's a home of Cheerwine. I don't know if you, have you ever had Cheerwine? I have not. What is that? Oh, it's the best soft drink in the history of soft drinks. Oh, I thought it was wine. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a soft drink. It's a, it's a, it's like a, it's, it's this cherry flavored. Oh my God. It's, it's the best. It's North Carolina only. I'll, uh, I'll try and ship you some, but probably won't. Uh, anywho, Jonathan, I'll, Al- I'll expect it to come as soon as uh swimmy's pick six shirt comes. That's right. Actually, I think you got that. Uh, Jonathan <laughs> Allen checks in at number 10 for you, uh, pointing out that the Washington football team here should have a pretty good defense. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned him earlier when we were talking about Chase Young. Um, everybody on that defensive line, like, you know, Deron Payne could have made it. Matt Ioannidis could have made it. He's so good, but he doesn't play as many snaps as some of the other guys. Um, really good player against the run, against the pass. He obviously is in position to succeed, given all the talent around him. I think that defense is going to be really good. Like, there, there's not a lot to say about a guy like that who's just good at everything playing on a stacked defensive front for a coach that knows what he's doing defensively. Like he's going to have another good season. The rare pick by Bruce Allen. That wasn't terrible. <laughs> Jeff, Jeffrey Simmons at number nine for the Tennessee Titans. This, I mean, this, do you want a guy with a ceiling? I, I mean, he is when, when you watch the, the Titans defense and you see him moving the interior, I mean, he is an absolute animal inside. Yeah, it's a lot of splash plays, I think, for him. And the the, the key is being more consistent with it, yeah. you know, getting getting pressure consistently, making plays in the backfield consistently. But, you know, the, the athleticism is there. You know, they bring in now Bud Dupree, so they actually have somebody to bring pressure off the edge along with Harold Landry. Like, they now have essentially gone backwards. You know, the, last year their defense was all built around the defensive backfield and it did not work out very well. Now it's all built around the defensive front, and they have nothing on the back end. Like, they had no pass rush last year, and now it's sort of the reverse. Um, you know, I, they, they drafted what's the from Virginia Tech, but he's got the injury issues. Um, oh, Farley. Farley, yeah. But not much else on the back end there. Uh, you know, Kevin Byard, but not a lot at corner. They need Simmons and Dupree to really bolster this defense. Is what yeah, um, and, and I think Simmons has the talent. Um, and I think we've seen it in flashes and again, it's about being more consistent with it. Yep. Kenny Clark at number eight, uh, along with, I mean, you know, it's kind of an interesting theme here when you pair these defensive linemen, you know, interior guys and Kenny Clark, they'll move around too. Like they do a lot with their fronts in green Bay, but you know, the, the way that, the way that you have, you see, you have an edge rusher and an interior guy on these same teams and it, and it, it that's how you can sort of identify what defenses might be uh, stout in 2021. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kenny Clark still, to me, is maybe the most underrated player in the league. Like, he does so much for that defense. Obviously, their run defense has not been all that good the last couple of years. He's basically, like, the only guy doing anything against the run, and that's kind of why it's not that good. But he's an, an underrated pass rusher in terms of a guy that plays a lot on the nose and still can get, like, four, five, six sacks. That's extremely rare for a player that plays, you know, directly head up over the center. Um, he plays a ton of snaps, which is rare for a guy that plays a lot on the nose too. Like he's, he's just such a good player, man. Yep. 
He is indeed. Grady Jarrett still making the list here at number seven. Grady Jarrett is, of course, the former fifth-round pick out of Clemson, undersized, basically like a, a, a baby Gina, uh, uh, Gina Atkins, and, but has been very good for the Falcons, although it's probably lost in the shuffle a bit because of how bad the Falcons' defense has really been the last few years. Yeah, and uh, you know I think they'll be better this year. You know, they brought in Dean Pease to be the defensive coordinator. Obviously, we saw what, he, what he's done throughout – his career, um, I think the Titans really missed him when he was gone. Um, and obviously, they've got you know still Vrabel over there. And I can't remember who their defensive coordinator. Well, he's is like now. he's a good Grady Jarrett's a good upfield rusher. It's just from from the defensive defensive tackle or interior defensive tackle position, you feel like that's the kind of thing that Dean Pease will use to generate pressure, as opposed to you know Dan Quinn maybe playing a more passive, trying to use you know guys like Deion Jones and, and you know. I mean, in, like a DPs is a more aggressive generator of of pass rush. Yeah, it's it's a much different defense. They're not going to sit back and play cover one, cover three all the time. Uh, Dan Quinn did mix in more cover one over the last few years, and they did mix in. I think uh, I was reading um, Bob Sturm, who covers the Cowboys for the Athletic, obviously now writing a lot about Dan Quinn, and he did mention that they played twelve percent cover two over the last couple of years, which I was surprised by under Dan Quinn, which is not something that you think of with that Seattle style defense, but. Know. Yeah, I, I think Pease is willing to mix it up more. He's more aggressive, not necessarily just rushing four all the time, although Quinn, again, did blitz more often than you would think over the last couple of years with Atlanta. But Grady Jarrett, again, still a very, very good football player. He has not had a lot of help, obviously, on that defense the last few years. Still doesn't really have a lot of help, but I'm not I'm not dinging him for you know a lack of help next to him. I wouldn't ding him at all. Cam Hayward and Stephon it. Man, Steelers could have a really good defense again. Oh, my year. God. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Alou Alou is a guy who could have made the list based on his his play last year and then obviously was going to go back to the Jaguars but decided he was coming back to the Steelers. And why not? You get to play with those guys up front. Like, there, there's a reason the Steelers' defense has been one of the best in the league. They have stars at all three levels. They have stars yeah. on the edge. They have stars in the interior. Stars at corner, stars at safety, stars at linebacker. Like, I think they could take somewhat of a step back just because they don't have the depth that they've had the last few years. But yeah, I mean, these, these guys are all really good up front and Hayward has been so good for so long to it, I think is even better and doesn't get, you know, the publicity for some reason. Um, like, I like how you ranks to it above Hayward. That way Hayward can't chirp you. I mean, you're six, you know, well, sixth. How dare you rate me six? If he chirps you, it's, he's insulting his teammate because Hayward likes to chirp. He likes to chirp CBS HQ. Well, look, you think about this. There's, what, um, probably 50 to 60 starting interior defensive linemen in the league. Cam, you're in the top 10%, my friend. You are really, really good. It is. It is. I guess if you're a football player <laughs> of his stature, you do have to say, no, I'm the best. You, you, you're not, you, don't, you don't become this good by saying, I, I'm, I'm okay being sixth. You know, yeah, like, like you gotta, you to, you you're just, still sixth in your thirties. That doesn't happen very know, often. I know. He, it's, it is, he's sort of got a, um, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to, I'm forgetting the, the uh, who's the guy for the fort. God, I'm blanking today. Who's the guy for the 49ers who, uh, the interior guy, it's not Adam Smith. It's, um, uh, he we finally got recognition as analytics started to become popular because forever you know like interior guys just haven't gotten the credit that they deserved. Who, who am I? Thinking? I don't remember Justin. who you're talking about, but this, a yeah. similar thing happened with Calais Campbell. Who... Yes, it was Justin Smith for the 49ers. 
Uh, Adam, who's Adams? What was wrong with me today? Well, there was Justin. There was another Smith on the 49ers at the same time. It was like Justin Alden Smith and oh, right Alden Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Alden Smith would get all the credit because he was rushing the passer, and people were like, "Look, you need to look at Justin Smith as a three-four defensive end." And then, and maybe JJ Watt helped change that too with his production from that angle. But we just we started. Yeah, to look. Cam Hayward has really good production too. Like a guy from that interior defensive line spot before last year when he had four, I mean, he had 12, eight and nine sacks. The the three years before that, he had a couple seasons with seven, seven and a half in 2014, 2015, like obviously started off as more of a rotational guy early in his career. But you know, when we did our best draft picks at, uh, at each spot in the draft, I, I said he was the best 31st pick in NFL history. So wow. Like, you need to be- uh, add that add that to the graphic. <laughs> Tell the social team to add that to the graphic so that way he can't chirp you. All right, Vita Vea at number four. Man, I really thought, I mean, what a breakout season for him last year. And really sort of a... And despite missing, like, whatever it was, like, most of the season yeah. because he had that scary ankle injury. I think it was his ankle, right? Yeah, he, well, he came back for the playoffs. He missed, he only played five games. He had a really good 2019 and then looked like he was about to have just an absolute monster 2020 mm-hmm. injures his ankle and is able to come back for the playoffs but it was like i guess breakout season isn't fair it looked like it was going to be a breakout season before yes. the injury and, it, and and he was really part of what made the bucks so tough to run against and almost impossible to 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 run against no matter how good your run game was and sort of justifying frankly the the pick by jason light which has been criticized by a lot of people yeah, and I mean, he's so much better as a pass rusher than people thought he was going to be, which was yep. the reason that people criticized the pick. It's like you can't just take, you know, a run-stopping nose tackle at that, at that spot. And a 350-pound guy to move the way that he does on the interior defensive line and to play the nose, to play the one technique, like, and, and can play you – know, he doesn't, but he can play, you know, three technique. But, like, he's – He's such a good player. He's obviously in really good position to succeed with with JPP and Shaq Barrett and Sue and Steve McClendon and all the guys that they've added up front. Uh, you know, they bring in Joe Joe Tryon. Like, they've got really good linebackers who are going to make plays when he's able to occupy those blockers up front. Like, he's, he's so impactful in so many different ways. He's going to be 26 this season, should be healthy, obviously came back in the playoffs and, and made an impact as well. Like, he's so good. Yeah, he is. Number three, Chris Jones. Can, can we talk about um, two and three at the same time? Because I think yeah. you can put them in any order. Chris these, Jones, these the far Butler, three and two. Exactly. Yeah. I, agree with, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean these these guys are both unbelievable. I, we saw what DeForest Buckner does for a defense last year, um, both in terms of what he was able to do for the Colts and what the the Forty ers as they experienced more and more injury issues, they didn't have Buckner. They didn't have Buckner to, you know, wreck things up the middle. It caused a lot of problems for them once they lost a couple of the edge guys and the guys in the secondary. Like, not having that guy who's able to consistently generate pressure up the middle. And, I mean, these are – if Aaron Donald didn't exist, we'd be talking – we'd be having arguments all the time about whether Chris Jones or DeForest Buckner is better. But people don't care because Aaron Donald is the best. Like, (laughs) you know, but – but those guys are are both so 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 good against the run, against the pass, the athleticism, the way they're able to knife through def- uh, offensive linemen up front, create pressure against guards and centers. The, the Chiefs are talking about moving Chris Jones to the edge at times. I think he can handle that just fine with his power and speed combination. Buckner is obviously so similar. Like they're both so big, so strong, so quick. Like 
it's 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 unfair to have guys that that have that kind of physicality and quickness at that position. Like uh, interior offensive linemen just cannot handle it. Yeah, they're in ge- and they they're able to generate pass rush. The fu- the interesting thing about both those guys, one, I mean, I don't think the Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl without Chris Jones. He had a monster no. monster game against the 49ers. And he could have been the Super Bowl MVP. Absolutely. And then, you know, the the Colts, they took a gamble. They gave away a first-round pick. That was the number 13 overall pick they gave up for DeForest Buckner. It ended up being Tristan Worst, which ironically, you know, the, the Bucs probably don't win the Super Bowl without the without you know yeah. without trading up to get the pick that Indianapolis traded down via San Francisco. Anyway, that's a, a long and convoluted story, but you get the point. Um, you know, I, I think this is a case of they I mean, I mean, yeah, like it was a it was a great deal for the Colts to go to trade a first round pick for a guy like DeForest Buckner. Who oh, can yeah. Get the defense in that way. Uh, Contract fight. is well worth it. And especially like the way Matt Eberflus wants to play defense. Yep. You need that guy. That's like the most important guy at that spot. Like and I think he made that clear. He can operate. So then you have Darius Leonard running around. I mean, just two beast there. Yeah. Um, number one, no brainer. Yeah. I Aaron mean, Donald. This is everybody. This is this is the easiest part of this of either of these lists, right? Oh, a hundred percent. Like the first thing I did was write down Aaron Donald. <laughs> the actually the first thing I did was Aaron Donald at one, and then I had two slash three Chris Jones as far as Buckner. Right. Um, and then figure it out from there. Yeah. Um I mean there there's not a lot to say. Like the guy is an interior defensive lineman who leads the league in sacks and pressures basically every year and quarterback hits like monster against the pass monster against the run. I know there was that weird Aaron Donald is not a good run defender thing last year. Um, and mostly because he just gets up field too quickly and guys can cut back. Like, I'm sorry, getting into the backfield really quickly and causing problems for the opposing offensive line is like the job description for a defensive lineman. Right. Um, but he, I think he was even better against the run last year than he had been in years past. Again, like he is the best defensive player I've ever seen. And there's no reason to expect that not to continue. If he retired right now, he'd be a hall of famer. Oh, slam dunk. I mean, First, my God. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is he's got a lot left in the tank. Now, new new defensive third defensive coordinator, I guess, because he had Wade Phillips first and Braden Staley. And now, he, you know, but it doesn't matter. You know, like that's why you take that job. It's like you want that job because you're getting to use Aaron Donald and they can scheme him all over the place. He's unstoppable in uh, in that defense and at slam dunk number one. Dubin, great list, buddy, as always. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, you do- it's, it's not like Raheem Morris doesn't know what he's doing, by the right, way. Exactly. Like- he's, he's, yeah, he's going to be fine. Yeah. He made the Falcons defense better when he was going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He improved the Falcons defense. He will be fine with Aaron Donald. Uh, great list, buddy. Appreciate it as always. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Everybody in the NFL, please flame me for these lists because you deserve to be on them. And I just, there, it's, there are not 25 spots in the top 10. I wanted to do it, but, you know, the people who make the numbers, just, it's, it's them whose fault it was. Flame him! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 